Hello, everyone. Today, a really interesting podcast with Mauro Priscelli, who is a 30-year-plus retired firefighter and paramedic with the city of Orlando. Mauro wrote the book called Surviving the Firehouse that gives insight about how to transition from becoming a firefighter to what it's like in your rookie year to then what it actually looks like to eventually retire as a firefighter. Mauro gives a really good insight and perspective about what it's like to actually be a firefighter and approach technology. We're going to learn about what his thoughts were for around the most groundbreaking technologies around PPE technology, FLIR, heads-up display, and then what both incoming firefighters and aspiring technology, uh, people in the technology industry, can do when they're trying to do the best they can to serve the fire industry. We hope you enjoy listening and take care. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Smart Firefighting Podcast. Really excited today to sit down with Mauro Puccelli, the author of Surviving the Fire. Mauro, how are you doing today? Hi, Kevin. Good. Thank you very much for inviting me on your show. I really, really appreciate it. Yeah, we're excited to have you here. So you give us a framework and a rubric for educating firefighters from how to start and how to transition to ultimately how to retire. Um, and I know there's a lot of sex appeal and, and maybe some misconceptions on the fire service from Hollywood and whatnot, but give us some context on yourself and then why you wrote this book, Surviving the Firehouse. Right. Well, I was a firefighter paramedic going on almost 24 years, and I retired out of the uh, City of Orlando Fire Department. And one of the things about the fire department, it's the best job in the world. Anybody that's a firefighter knows that, will admit to it. Uh, I was a firefighter. My two sons are firefighters, and uh, and I would do it all over again and would recommend it to anybody. But there's also a dark side to the fire department, and one of the dark sides to the fire department is we tend to eat our young. And what I mean by that is there's all these expectations that we have for these young kids that come on a job that we put them on such a high pedestal, which is we should. And we expect them to perform flawlessly their entire rookie year. Well, unfortunately, with human nature and the way we're wired, it doesn't work like that. Nobody knows what to do unless we teach them, unless we show them. And you're going to make mistakes your your first year on the job. You're going to make a lot of mistakes. You're going to make some doozies. And unfortunately, with a lot of of fire departments and firehouses, is once you make some mistakes, you develop this reputation – that you're lazy, you're dumb, um, you really don't want to be here, you're not dedicated to the job. And that could stay with you for most of your career if you're not careful, depending on, on what it is. So what I did was, when I wrote the book, Surviving the Firehouse, I, I laid out a roadmap. And the roadmap takes this young individual from thinking about becoming a firefighter to retirement and all everything in between, especially during their rookie year. And what it does is, like I said, it gives you a roadmap. It teaches you the do's and the don'ts. And a lot of this stuff isn't common sense. You know, a lot of a lot of veterans like myself, you know, we're coming up through the ranks and we're, you know, we're working with all these different people. And we're, we assume that, that it's, it's common sense for this kid to not sleep in the recliner at, you know, at nine o'clock at night or two o'clock in the afternoon or we assume it's common sense to make sure you're the last one to the dinner table or the last one to go to sleep at night but you gotta understand a lot of these people lived in their their parents basements their whole life and they just moved out of their house and now they're put into uh, an environment like the fire department with a bunch of you know 
type A personality individuals, and we just threw them to the wolves, expecting them to perform at such a high level. And I disagree with that. You have to teach people. You have to mentor them. And, and that was the whole reason for this book is to teach people how to be the best rookie possible. Knowing you're going to make mistakes, which is okay, but don't make the mistakes. That's going to kill you. Love it. it. Makes a lot of sense. I mean, it, there's a lot of these little tricks of the trade that you have to learn. I mean, within any career, but particularly the fire service, where it's such a demand on the personal body. But you have to work within your fire department with other firefighters, with the ultimate goal to best serve the community. And there's a lot of these different things throughout your book that you talk about. Um, so maybe any any particular examples uh, as far as a someone that's looking to get into the fire service. What is maybe one or two or three things that they really need to consider before they even become a firefighter? All right. The, the first thing, probably one of the most important things is you got to make sure you're clean. I mean, that, that's the bottom line. You, you cannot be that individual that does recreational drugs occasionally and now wants to get hired at the fire department. Any fire department nowadays worth their weight in salt will test you you're going to get drug tested and even a lot of fire schools a lot of fire colleges today before you get in you're going to have to take a, a drug test so the very first thing i tell these these kids not even kids but a lot of fire most firemen actually start their careers in their 20s it's their their second career that they're that they're trying to get going and i tell them right off the bat i said listen here's the deal if you want to do this job you need to clean up your act if you're smoking, you know, recreational marijuana occasionally, it doesn't even have to be every day, but if you just do it once in a while, you have to stop because you're going to get drug tested. You got to clean up your social media uh, accounts, your Twitters and Facebooks and all this. So all the beer bongs you were doing and, you know, showing your cleavage on the beach and hanging out with a bunch of risque individuals, you got to get rid of those pictures. You absolutely have to before you even think about becoming a firefighter. Because nowadays, I've seen a lot of firefighters not get hired because of what was on their social media accounts. And even some, you know, unfortunately, lost their jobs afterwards because of what they put on their social media accounts. So that didn't happen when I first started. When I first started, they just did a background check. And then you were good to go. But now, they're checking everything. They're checking everything. Because who you are is now what you put on online. And what a great way for a fire department to see who you really are, who they're hiring. And they'll just and they'll just do the research on you, you know. And that, I mean, that that's the primary thing. And I would say second after that, once you got your act together, if you haven't already had it together, you have to be in shape. You cannot cannot go through fire school being a fat slob, out of shape, thinking number one that you're going to get through school, and number two, more importantly, that you're going to get hired at your dream department. Everybody has their their dream departments that they want to that they want to work at and when there's a thousand people sometimes thousands of people testing for only a handful of jobs why do they want to pick you so you have to do what you have to do in order to stay healthy get in shape and and go for it that way you can kick butt in fire school you can get through that go through emt school paramedic school and then apply for for several fire departments because most all fire departments nowadays, you have to take a physical agility test just to get on or just to get on the list before the chief even picks who he wants off of that list. So you have to be a top performer. And the only way to do that, you have to be in shape. It makes sense. 
and, and I appreciate that as, as do all firefighters in terms of <clears throat> some of the stuff may seem commonplace to some, but really for a lot of people that have never done this before, they don't know any of this and it helps to have that, that guidance for someone like yourself and within right. the surviving for the firehouse where you can fill the gaps on these different training and preparation issues for life in the firehouse. And, and, and one thing that is, is very of interest to a lot of our listeners and people within the smart firefighting community is, is particularly the perception of technology. Uh, you right. mentioned you've been in the fire service for quite some time and, and seen the evolution from whether it was just background checks to now full, full on social media dives for evaluation. But what's, what's been your perception of the evolution of technology and how it's helped the fire service? And then how fire departments, firefighters are embracing technology today. All right, here's here's a problem. We all love technology. It is what it is. It's here to stay. It is what drives the fire department. It's what it's what's going to bring the fire department into the future. All right. But the problem with the fire department is, it is it's a huge huge vehicle that's hard to turn. When you are used to doing something a certain way. For many, many years, especially your entire career, now all of a sudden there's a new widget that came along and this is supposed to make your life easier, your job a whole lot better. It's hard to change the minds of individuals that have been doing it the same way for many, many years. And and I've seen that time and time again. There's very few pieces of technology over my career that came along that wowed me that said, wow, I wish I would have had this many, many years ago. And the two things that come to mind right away that actually wowed me was, first of all, is our, is our bunker gear. When I first started our bunker gear, it was, very, it was very, very heavy. It didn't breathe at all. It held in our heat, our body heat, and you really couldn't last long on a fire scene or inside of a fire because the gear was just so heavy and plus, it would wick. It would it would absorb all of your moisture and hold it, and and it would never evaporate the the water or your your sweat. And the new gear today is absolutely incredible. It is light. It's way safer than what it used to be, and it's just an incredible piece of technology with uh, with the way that that they've designed it. Now, the downside of the gear that we have today, it's too good. That's the problem, it's too good. And it's not really a problem, but it has become a problem on numerous occasions on a lot of fires for a lot of people around the country. And this is what I mean by that. It used to be back in the day, you're going into a burning warehouse, a burning house, and you have your gear on, you have your Nomex hood on, you have your helmet on, and you go in. If it's too hot where you can't even stay on your hands and knees, You've got to come out because you're burning up in there. And the reason why you're burning up is because the gear is telling you, hey, it's too freaking hot in here. You guys got to back out. And that was one of the things that we used to do. You used to go by the heat on your ears, your neck, your back, your legs, and we would leave because it was just not not tenable in there. Now with technology, the gear is so good, so efficient, we are now able to go deeper into fires. And if you are deep inside of a house, deep inside of a warehouse or a building, and you're burning up, it's like, my gosh, it's too hot in here. You're probably a lot deeper than you should have been. And now you've got to get out, but now you've got to travel a lot further to, to get out. 
And does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know that's an issue now where you can go into a fire farther and deeper, but you won't really even know that maybe it's too hot until all of a sudden you see the gloves or gear actually melting off your skin. And right. so there's definitely a range of now right. new PPE sensors and different things that need to be integrated. So right. I think it, it just any, I'd like to kind of continue to maybe ask another question of other, you had another technology you said that wowed you besides right. PPE. The other technology that, that wowed me was the, uh, was the flare units, the forward uh, looking infrared, the cameras that we use to sweep the room or sweep uh, a large area for bodies. Um, that technology has just come a long, long way. I mean, back in the day, you know, we're searching and you can't, you can't see two inches in front of your face and you're hoping to come across a body that you find to, to pull it out. Well, nowadays with the flare, you can just sweep a whole area and you can see the outline of a body and you can go right to that body. And that technology is absolutely incredible. And what's great about it is that it has come down in price where it's become more affordable for fire departments. Um, it's come down in price to where instead of just one flare on a fire scene, now every company, engine company, truck company has one. And that really helps. Does every person need one? You know, I don't want to hold my axe, my pike pole, a nozzle, and a flare. I don't, I don't want to do that. Uh, but I think one person in your crew definitely should have one. It's usually the officer. And the officer is sweeping the area, and he points in the direction. The firefighter can go right to that, that area and, and make the grab. So I absolutely love the flare device. I, I, think, I think that's great. Hmm. Um, and another piece of technology, actually, that, that, that comes to mind, too, is the, the heads-up display now. You know, it used to be we knew that we were running low on air because a stupid bell would go off. This, this loud bell would go off. And we knew it's, hey, we only got a couple minutes left on air, a few hundred pounds. It's time to come out. Well, sometimes you're so deep into a warehouse that it, it, you don't have time to get out because you're so far back in there. Now with the heads-up display, you could see how much air you have, and it's it's right right there in front of you, because usually the way it used to be, your your pressure gauge was hanging down around your waist, but you can't see it. It's just dragging along the floor, or you're standing up and it's it's dark. You can't see it. It's smoky. It was really useless. The only thing that we went by is whenever our bell would went off. But now with the heads-up display. I think that's huge, and I think that's a big help. And, that's, and something like that is even going to probably save a lot of lives also when somebody runs out of air. Yeah, and sometimes it's the most mundane and basic technology tweaks that can bring the most value. And I think we've, we're seeing a lot of new technology ideas that sound good on a whiteboard, but in the end of the day it comes down to what's most practical for the firefighter today and right. what can help them do their job better and help save more lives. Right. Like I said, the, the, the problem with fire departments is fire departments, it's, it's a huge beast and it's hard to change things. It's very, very difficult to change things. There's a lot of technology out there that can make our lives better, easier. But the problem is when you're used to doing something a certain way and now you're asking a whole department, hey, we're going to change, fundamentally change how we do things. And this is how we're going to do it. You firefighters being who they are they will resist it 
They will, will resist change. Unless it's a piece of equipment that can just absolutely wow you. But most things that come around, they don't wow you. They're nice. They're little trinkets here and there. But you have to bring them on board gradually. Plus, if you have a department that's a 500-man department versus a 50-man department, you can't outfit 500 individuals as easy as you can outfit 50 individuals. And that's a big problem, too. Because you can't just say, well, we're going to have this gear and only give it to five firefighters. And then, you know, next quarter we're going to give it to 10 firefighters. Next quarter we're going to give it to 27. It really doesn't work that way. It's everybody needs to get it all at one time. And I think, you know, barriers to entry, that that's usually a big problem, too, yep. is, is the budgeting. Yep, makes sense. So for fire, two, final two questions. Uh, what would you say to a aspiring firefighter, one, and then what would you say to an aspiring guy in technology, guy or girl in technology, that wants to help the fire service? The, the guy, you talking about the guy that wants to be a firefighter, what would I say to that person? Correct. What I would say to that individual, like, like I said earlier, stay clean stay in shape, stay motivated, stay positive, and be patient. You may not get your dream department right off the bat, but take any job you get. But just stay positive. Uh, don't get in trouble. And I'm talking about everything from speeding tickets to DUIs to, you know, all sorts of issues. Just be that perfect individual. At least be as good as you can be because the way these fire departments are nowadays – Everybody wants to be a firefighter, and it's extremely, extremely competitive. So just have a positive attitude. Don't give up. You may start fire school, but you know what? You may flunk out because you just couldn't do that extra push-up or sit-up or whatever. Now you know what to do for next time. Sometimes it may take one or two chances before you get through school or before you pass that department where you eventually want to work, you know. So don't give up. Remain positive, and I promise you, you've got a you know you've got a pot of gold at the end of your career once once you retire because you stuck with it. It's not going to be easy. If it was easy, everybody would do it. Believe me. You know, as far as the technology is concerned, um, we have to have the technology. I mean, we can't do things, you know, you know, ten years from now the way we did it 30, 40 years ago. We we have to advance technology. And I had the privilege of uh, sitting down with the former uh, CEO from um, from uh, DuPont Chemical not that long ago, and and one of her uh, scientific officers. Uh, these are just two brilliant, brilliant people, PhDs in science, and just absolutely brilliant people. And we were talking about that. We were talking about the fire department. We were talking about our gear, how good it is, and you know, we're talking about technology. And what what surprised me is they, they told me, they said, Mauro, we have technology right now in our vaults that you guys will incorporate 15, 20 years from now. And then my response back to her was, why don't you put it out there now? And it was very simple. They said the fire department is just not ready for it because of cost, because of cost and turning that big machine around. The way you guys are used to doing something you cannot just go in there 
with with this life-changing way of doing things and expect everybody to say, yes, we want it, let's do it, we will pay any amount of money for it. So the technology is out there. The technology is out there. Like, for example, Apple, they already have the iPhone 27. They have it right now. But we're just not ready for it yet. And so that's why every year they bring out something new with little changes, little changes, and little changes. So that way, 20, 25 years from now, it's integrated a lot easier and it's, and, and it's accepted a lot better from, from, from people. And that surprised me. And I was really glad they, they, they told me that because it, it made a lot of things clearer to me. But obviously, as the years go on, you know, technology gets cheaper. You know, because the cost of research and development is, is astronomical. It encompasses a huge amount of a corporation's budget, and fire departments are not going to pay for it. They're not going to pay. Why would they pay 10 times more for this product when they've been doing it the same way and get the results they want for the last 30, 40 years? But yet, if you change it every year, little by little, it's a lot easier for them to absorb it. Yep. And sometimes that that gradual. And as my mom has always told me, it's uh, it's an evolution, not a revolution. And so how right. do we take those gradual uh, changes and interact with the fire service to really understand what the needs are and, and really apply the technology needs towards the current needs and then connect the dots forward as well as getting the best firefighters in the fire service to right. use the technology so we can continue to have the best fire service in the world. Sure. I mean, I look at our fire apparatus, the engines and, and the tower trucks. I mean, the technology and those things have evolved and, and, and just incredible, absolutely incredible. They're a lot safer. They drive like personal vehicles. Well, I'd be like, oh, it must be hard driving a fire truck. It must be hard driving a ladder truck. Absolutely not. It's like driving my F-150. They're, it's, it's, they're that easy. They have great turning radiuses. They're very safe. Uh, they're great vehicles. The only thing that these fire manufacturers have not figured out all these years is the air conditioning systems in these things. And this is what I mean by that. We, we get delivery of a new fire truck, no matter what company makes it, and they're all great companies. And the AC in them works really good for two, three weeks. And then after that, they don't work good anymore. And we're after a fire or on our way back from a call here in Florida in the summertime, like, my gosh, I wish this air conditioning unit was working good. For some reason, these guys have not been able to figure out how to give us really good air conditioning units inside these fire trucks. Maybe they are good, but we're just so overheated, we don't realize they're good. So whoever's listening out there, try to develop a really good air AC unit for our fire trucks. <laughs> hey, maybe maybe a combination of the both, but if anything, a plea to we need better air conditioning because... Something as simple as that. Body temperature is important, and we need different things from better hydration habits to the, the clothes we wear to the what we do to cool down, and it's all connected. Oh, absolutely. It was always a running joke. You know, somebody in the truck would say, man, I need some AC. Turn up the AC. Lieutenant says, all right, I got you covered, and he would roll down his window a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's going. So if people want to learn more about you or get a hold of the book, what would be the best way for them to do that? The best way, my book is available in um, hardcover, paperback, uh, e-reader, and the audio book was just released on audible.com. Or you can get my book on, um, on amazon.com also. If you want a book for me personally where I could sign it and send you a personal message, you can just email me at surviving 
thefirehouse at gmail.com and I'll be able to send you a book or your department a book or whatever. It's uh, I think it's a must read, absolutely, definitely for for anybody thinking about getting in a fire department to rookies to somebody being on a job because I have a huge section in there on personal finances on how to be financially successful um, because, you know, you don't get rich by becoming a firefighter. But I laid out a plan in there how you can be very financially uh, successful. going to take you many years. But uh, but I believe if you follow the roadmap that I laid out in the book for anybody, for how to take promotion, promotional exams to how to get along with coworkers. I mean, any officer and any any firefighter will tell you 80% of the job, 80-90% of the job is not going on fires or medical calls. It's dealing with each other. And that's where most of the headaches come from is is each other. We love these people to death. I mean, these are my brothers and sisters, but my gosh, we have some good battles over the years. <laughs> love it, Mara. Well, you are a wealth of knowledge. I really appreciate your time today and I uh, look forward to talking again soon. Excellent. Hey, Kevin, thank you so much, my friend. Anything I can do for you guys, please let me know. Thanks for listening to the Smart Firefighting Podcast. If you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast leave a comment, and follow us on social media at Smart Firefighting. We would love to know more about what you liked or did not like about this episode. Even more so, we want to know, what do you want to hear more about? Any feedback for future interviews or topics is highly welcomed and encouraged. Thanks again for listening, and we look forward to next time.